How are we all? Uh, it's really good to be here. Really great. I mean, I think we came last August and, um, yeah, coming back today and just being in the worship was, was wonderful. I think when I spoke last time, we just kind of transitioned through a, a, a very difficult church experience and, and, um, and this, this year, this 2017 has been better though challenging, so... Um, but it's great to be here, it's great to bring my family um, over, and um, they're all sitting in that row there, and Jake and Chloe's, Jake's girlfriend, Kezia. Unfortunately, my granddaughter, who I'd have loved to have brought and showed you, she's not well, she's kind of struggling with the, the cold, and get, got a cold and got conjunctivitis, and so if you could, really pray for her, because just that she'll be strengthened in her body and we can go to Paris tomorrow with us. So, good to see some friends, guys at the back there that we were with in uh, Australia about, what was it, two months ago or very more than that, and had great fun with them. And um, Yeah, God gave me a word this morning to, to share with you, and I'm going to speak from Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 4 to 13. I want to read that, I want to pick out a phrase that I think um, has really um, encouraged me and then just a couple of key notes and then, then I'll finish and we can have a cup of tea and carry on. So I think it comes up there, doesn't it? You know, one of the things that I was quite disciplined this morning, you know, because when you're in the worship and you want to you, you encourage people, it's great for people to come up. Daniel was very good coming up and just encouraging us, and I, because of the theme, and you'll understand it uh, with Paul, is that imagine that Paul was in the prison, and the prisons of those days were nothing like the prisons of these days. You don't get a TV, you know, and, and, and all that, and yet they worshipped God. They lifted up their voices and praised God, and, and I guess I come into the presence of God, and I come in where, in a sense, the Spirit is speaking to me, and my heart is yearning for everyone to say, you know what, just rejoice in the Lord, always. And um, let, me, let me just read this to you, and then let me open up my Bible app. If you want to open, no, not my, I keep opening up my money app, because it's blue. Um, but yeah, Philippians 4. Is it Philippians or Philippians 4? Here we go. Right. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want to miss the finally. Brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And uh, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. 
I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. For you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What an amazing passage of writing from Paul in prison under the arrest of the Romans in in probably a very terrible, difficult, challenging time. And yet, I love this phrase. So if you could go, Dave, to um, uh, verse 12. And it's, and it's in any and every circumstance, I love this bit, I have learned the secret. And I guess my, my question to us this morning is, have you learned the secret? You know, Paul's, Paul's in prison. Um, if you flick into Corinthians, Paul gives you a list of, of kind of everything that he went through. It was shipwrecks, he was, he was whipped, he was beaten, he was cast out of cities, you know, he, he was hungry. He went through probably, you know, more than, than most of us will ever go through in our lifetime. And he's sitting there and he's in prison and he's saying to Aphrodite, who's brought him this food, he says, you know what, I have learned the secret. And the thinking behind my encouragement to you today is because I think for many people, 2017 was a quite a difficult year. I don't know if you would agree with that, whether you had a, a wonderful year, um, everything was great. If you did, well done. Um, it's a challenging year. And I had the privilege of really getting stuck into Revelation. And I'm not going to start unpacking Revelation to you this morning, but I got the sense in my heart that the thing for, for Christians, things aren't going to get rosy. Don't know if you if you've read Revelation and you start to unravel all the imagery and the symbolism. You know what? For Christians, it's going to get hard. It probably is hard. I mean, there's there's Christians all over the world. Whether they're under the, being beheaded by ISIS, whether they're under persecution in Syria, Iran, Iraq, Middle East, Israel, even some places where Christians are being persecuted for their faith. And I guess for us, we think, well, yes, well, I'm in Australia, um, maybe in England, I don't know what the, the climate is here, but I can, I probably, it's not, I don't want to be morbid and, 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 and negative, but. I want to prepare us, and I really feel God wants to prepare us that we learn the secret of being content in all things. And, and so as things get difficult, you know, we're so subject, we're so conditioned by our circumstances. Our circumstances, whether it's those real heart-wrenching issues of family or, or friends or uh, job security or... You know, I could go, what, what's, what's challenging you? What's challenging you? What's challenging you? And you go, yeah, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. And yet it impacts us. And when we come to the gathering of God's people, we say, you know, as, as Daniel said, exalt the Lord higher than the struggles of our lives. You know, I've got a, I've got a feeling 
that we're always going to be facing some form of struggle, some form of difficulty, some trial. And those trials are going to get worse and worse because in Revelation, that's what it tells us. And so often as Western Christians, we kind of want to ignore that and we're kind of going after a surreal lifestyle that in the end is not going to prepare us as God wants to prepare us. You know, and then I got thinking so often the gospel is shared. You know, we go out and we preach the gospel and we present the gospel that Jesus will come and resolve your temporary situation. You know, if you come to Christ, he'll, if, you, if you don't have a job, will you come to Jesus and he'll give you a job? You understand what I'm saying? It's a, tempor- a temporary situation. I love that, you know, with that song, the, the, the great uh, hymn that we kind of retuned and sang. You know, the, the, the most wretched sinner, Christ died. You know, the blood of Jesus Christ is so precious to God, it, it goes beyond our temporal circumstances. You know, Jesus didn't die to give me a better life. I really believe that. I, I have a lovely life. I've got a great family. I enjoy it. But Jesus didn't die so that I could have temporal happiness. He died so that I could have an eternal future in Christ forever. And so, you know, you can go to the, 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 the man on the street and say, the, the guy that's really out of luck and say, well, you know, you come to Jesus and... He'll, he'll clean you up and he'll get you a house and he'll get you a job and he'll, you know, he'll set your feet right. And he will because he loves us. But that's not why he died. Why did he die? He died because we are destined to eternal separation from God. He died because of his great love for which he loved us, not to resolve our temporary situations, but to give us an eternal future with Jesus And so does it matter then whether you're comfortable, you're sitting in your comfortable home and everything's going well, you need Jesus. I remember hearing that in Australia. Somebody got up and he preached and said, you know, in Australia, we don't really need Jesus. And I'm like, what? What do you mean we don't need Jesus? We've we've got sin. Where lives are full of sin. Yeah, we drive nice Mercedes cars, BMWs, you know. So what? You can't take your BMW to heaven. You can't take your car. You can't take your house. You can't take your money. What do you take? You say, here am I, Lord. I come to you. I need you. I need you for the eternal things. That's the gospel. Jesus Christ shed his blood to save me from my sin and you from your sin. What for? To live with Christ forever in him. And yes, he'll bless you because that's the God he is. If you need a job and you get before God, I mean, there's testimony upon testimony of people that said, you know what, I trusted God for a job and he gave me a job. But I want to see, have we learned the secret? I remember a friend of mine, he, he got made redundant, lost his job. And, you know, this where, for me, the rubber hits the road. It's like, will you tr- do you trust God? Do you, uh, are you content? Whether you, whether you have a job, you don't. Well, I've got a mortgage. I've got to pay the mortgage. I'm stressing. I've got, ang- I'm, I've got anxiety. I'm worried. But, you're, but do you believe that God has got all your needs, you know, in his heart? He's met for you. And so 
you know, two, two months in, and we're talking, and he's, he's really stressing, he's really looking. Two months in, he gets a job. He says, oh, I wish I hadn't have stressed <laughs> those two months. In fact, I wish I just enjoyed those two months of not having a job, trusting in God, and in God doing what he, what he had planned to do. We learned the secret. I want to give, there's two passages, and then I want to just share on those two. And the first one is this, rejoice in the Lord, verse 4. Always. And again I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know, there, that, to me, that's, that's a key. That's something that, that quite clearly Paul is saying, you know what, you don't have to be anxious. In Australia, anxiety is just is, is flooding the market. You know, and it's, you know, I, I acknowledge that there are conditions, there are medical conditions where anxiety is, is a condition and needs to be treated. But I think for a lot of us, we just worry. We worry about a lot of stuff. We worry and we're anxious and so often, you know, what we worry about hasn't even come into effect. It's, it's kind of in the future that may, may not happen. And so we, we walk around. Imagine you walk around with such worry and Jesus is saying to you, you know what? Just give it to me. Through prayer, what does it say? Here's the secrets. Yeah, um, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving in your heart. Rejoice in the Lord always. And so this morning when we came, maybe we came in with worry, we came in with anxiety, we came in with cares. You know, our children are, are, are going off, they're kind of, you know, not, not wanting the Lord and we're struggling with that. And yet we come to church and we have an opportunity and as like John said, it doesn't have to be at church. We have an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm just going to rejoice in the Lord and not let those cares and, and weights and worries just, just, and then I'm down. And then I walk out of church exactly the same way as I came in. Give thanks to God. How good is our God? How great is he? Not only for the eternal things, but you can go and you can look at Blessing upon blessing upon blessing. He has never failed us. He has never let us down. He's always been there. Is that your testimony? God has always been there. We've been through some of the hardest circumstances in the family with accidents, with children that have gone off into the world and, and, and if it wasn't by God's grace, would probably be dead. And we've, we've kept going, we've kept trusting, we've kept praying, we've kept rejoicing, we've, we've, with thanksgiving in our hearts. Lord, you are in control. You're in control of this situation. And what does it say? And the peace of God that passes understanding guards our hearts and minds. Mate, have, you got, have you got the peace of God in your heart now, the peace of God isn't that everything's rosy, everything's going well, you know what, you know, I've just got a pay rise, I've got the peace of God. That's not the peace of God, that's just, that's just excitement that you've got a pay rise. 
I've got the peace of God in my heart. You know what? Everything is okay. Why? Because God's in control. God's in control of my life. No man is in control of my life. We go through church struggles and leadership struggles and, you know, misunderstandings and accusations and all sorts of stuff. But I'm not under man. I'm not, I'm not conditioned by what man thinks. I'm conditioned by what God thinks. And God, if God says, you know, that, I've stopped that for you, Phil, and I'm going to move on. It's like when Michelle shared at the ladies' prayer meeting a couple of weeks ago, didn't she, about Joseph. Just it seems that it was all going wrong for Joseph. And yet God was in total control of Joseph's life. Because he had a purpose. He had a plan. He, God sees the greater picture. Do we see that God sees the greater picture? Are we saying, Lord, I know. Sometimes I don't know what my journey is, but I, I know that you are over it and you are seeing where I'm going and it's for a purpose. The peace of God. We need the peace of God. So maybe as a key, you know, I, and I... It's funny, when you, when you speak something, I think the last four, 24 hours, we've, we have been <laughs> uninundated with anxiety. <laughs> you know, and you're going, oh, I've got to rejoice, I've got to rejoice. You know, I haven't learned the secret. I'm learning the secret. You know, Paul, Paul learned the secret, but I think he was getting on a bit and he had had a lot of practice of going through, I'm learning the secret. But at least I know what the, you know, it's like knowing what the secret is and then going, Okay, yeah, I know. I'm stressed about that. Oh, you know, me and Misha are up at 4.30 in the morning having a bit of a, a discussion, you know. And, uh, and, you know, I wish it was with me, but you're not with me. <laughs> and he go, oh, you know, let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. We got there quicker, didn't we? We did get there quicker. No. You know, that's, that's kind of experience, whereas it would have been four days of, I'm not talking to you, you don't talk to me. And, but now we're learning. Just pray about it. Pray about that situation. Rejoice in the Lord. Give it to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. And let the peace of God flood our hearts. Cares. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. I love that in, in Peter. I, I was in that verse about about three months last year. And, and just to summarise that, that whole aspect where it says, cast your cares upon him for he cares for you, is this sense where you're going, here, Lord. <laughs> you know, but it doesn't say that. You know, casting your cares upon him is halfway through a sentence. What's the first half of the sentence? Are you Bible scholars? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Cast him. You know, so often it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm stressed, I'm just casting it, casting it. Humble yourself. Make yourself low. Get before God. The mighty hand. You know, you do a Bible study on the mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God that brought the Israelites out of Egypt by the mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God is upon you and it's upon me. And if we just humble ourselves and say, Lord, take control. Take over. I give it to you. I want to walk in the peace that you give me. Second one is this in verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, 
whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Now, one of the, what I feel is one of the, the, the main attacks of the enemy is in our mind. You know, I've been through scenarios where, you know, the enemy is just out to, to, to put me down, to derail me, to get me thinking negatively, to get me worrying, to get me stressing, you know. And I love that, what, what Paul's saying there. You know, how we, in our minds, have to turn these things around. We have to think right. We have to think, uh, I don't, when I say positive, I don't mean just think positively and cast things out. It's got to be based on the word of God. It's got to be, you know, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's times when, you know, a, scenario, a situation will come up and you know full well that is the enemy. That's the enemy just trying to, knock you for six. And to me, learning the secret. Have you learned the secret of going, you know what, I'm not going to have that. Now, I, this is the way I do it and, and, and finding that, that key is I reject it and I replace it. And I, sometimes I have to do that <laughs> over and over again because I got sort of reject I'm not having that. And I've been accused of, of some <coughs> many, many things. And you go, you know what? That's from the enemy. I'm not going to have it. This is what God says. So here's the encouragement. It's to all of us, but particularly to young people, is you've got to get into your Bible. You've got to get reading the Word of God. Because if you don't read the Word of God, if you don't, and I don't mean read and just kind of get through it as quickly as possible. I mean read it, study it, think about it, meditate upon it, Get it into your heart. Get help with it. Get together with other people. Disciple each other. Encourage each other. Get the word of God into your... Here, look, here's a, here's a real one. Into your heart. Why? Because you can use it when the enemy comes. You all know, don't you, when Jesus went up to and was tempted of the devil three times, three things, three responses, all came out of Deuteronomy, was the word of God. How do, we, how do we combat in our minds the, the, the attack of the enemy? You know, when the enemy comes and says, you know, that's just, you're not going to amount to much, Daniel. You know, you've got to stop it. I reject that and I'll replace it. God's got a plan for me. He's got a purpose for me. You know, if I put my trust in him, he'll, he'll open and enlarge my borders. Replace, reject, replace. And sometimes when it comes to the things that are most precious to us, we're up in the middle of the night and we're praying and we're calling out on God and we're seeking God for them and we're we're speaking into, into Scripture. Those are the keys. Finally, I rejoice in the Lord. This is what Paul says, verse 12. For I, for I know how to be brought low 
And I know how to abound, and in every circumstance I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that verse I was looking up being the most misquoted verse ever, meaning you can't just do anything. It's in the context of what Paul was talking about, and he's learned that secret, that in Christ... He can do these things. You know, outside of Christ, you can't do those things. It's impossible. But Jesus comes into our lives by the Holy Spirit and he enables us to live a life that God wants us to live. And it isn't an external circumstances life. It's an inner secret life of the power of the Holy Spirit that says, you know what, I can overcome. I can do that. I can reject that negative thought and I'm going to think positive. I'm going to think godly. I'm going to think word of God. And I'm going to be uh, anxiety. I was reading that in in Corinthians and when Paul lists all those those, uh, things that he went through and in the end it says, and just the care of the church. And in in this way it talks about the anxiousness for the church. So we get anxious. I get anxious. You get anxious. What do we do with it? Bring it to the Lord. And the Lord will, will do it. So, amen. Thanks, John. Yeah, I'll pray here. Yeah. Sum up my message in a prayer. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I believe if there's anyone this morning, Lord, who has struggled, has, and this is... Um, Just encourage them, Lord. I just want to pray for them this morning that through your word, through your spirit, Lord, you will enable them to go out of this place with a renewed confidence in you, Uh, a a renewed sense of what Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, that we as a a people of God, in in a sense, in the inevitability of an increase of circumstances that where the enemy is out to, to get Christians, that we would learn the secret. So it doesn't matter if we're sitting in a, a comfortable house or we're in the prison or we're being persecuted, we will not be anxious, but we will trust in our God and we will praise you and we will worship you and we will stand firm because of the power of your spirit within us. So, Lord, I just pray your blessing. I do want to pray again corporately for my granddaughter. I pray that you would heal her today and uh, strengthen her in Jesus' name. Amen.